Um, yeah, guys, it is good to be with you. Uh, like Hannah and Micah said, my name is Colin. If I have not met you, um, I'm on staff here with Salt Company. I cannot believe that it is the last Salt Company of the year. And I just want to say thank you to you guys. Thank you guys for showing up. You guys are a huge blessing in my life. And it has been so cool to see what God has done in this room, on the campuses that are represented in this room. And I know it's already been mentioned. I know what this is, that's what announcements is for. But I just want to invite you guys again to come to BWP, to come to Night of Worship next week, just to celebrate what God has done. And yeah, I, I want to invite you guys. It's going to be amazing. You guys will not want to miss it. So tonight, I'm going to be in Matthew 28. So if you have a Bible under your seat, on your phone, uh, you guys can start flipping there. We are going to be in the second half of our Advent series. So last week, Drake started our Advent series preaching on Christ the baby. He, he walked through the story of, of Jesus being born. And man, it just, it gave me new eyes to see the Christmas story in this Christmas season and the humility of Jesus coming out of heaven and then coming in the most humble way. Um, yeah, was so sweet. So we're gonna, we're actually gonna pick up the story at, at the very end of Jesus's life. So, so Drake talked about Jesus being born and we're gonna talk about the very end of Jesus's life, his last, his last statement on this earth. So we're, we're gonna jump Jesus's life completely and so that's going to be at the very end of Matthew um, 28, verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, so here's the big idea for today is that Christianity is following Jesus. So some of you are like, okay, that's a pretty simple idea. I think I've got that. But in order to help color in what, what I might be trying to say, I want to tell you guys a story about Monday morning in the office. We have uh, meetings Monday morning. So our whole staff sitting in the office and um, a couple of the guys are talking big game Monday night. If you're not a football fan, Vikings play the Seahawks. So we're talking about, we're ta Hannah's laughing. She knows what's coming. Um, so we're talking about the, the big game and Hannah overhears us having this conversations, Vikings and Seahawks. She goes, oh, they're playing. Yeah, Hannah, they're playing tonight. Oh, those are my two favorite teams. So Drake naturally asks, oh, Hannah, when did you become a Seahawks fan? Oh, I don't know, three, four years ago. Okay, about the time they were in the Super Bowl. Hannah, why are you a Seahawks fan? Well, I like their colors, obviously. So uh, anyways, we kind of ignore Hannah at this point. Conversation goes on. We're talking about Russell Wilson. She doesn't really know who he is. Yeah, that's my favorite player. So then Drake, of course, <clears throat> yeah, man, I love Drake for this comment, goes, who's your second favorite player? Your mom. <laughs> Classic. So here's what I'm trying to say. Hannah says, Hannah says she's a Seahawks fan. She couldn't tell you how they're doing. She couldn't tell you who's on the team. 
She couldn't tell you really anything about the team other than their colors are navy and neon green and that they're based in Seattle. So is Hannah actually a fan of the Seahawks? And I, <laughs> no. If I had to answer that one for you, no. But isn't that how a lot of us sometimes treat Christianity? I am a Christian, but I don't actually follow Jesus. Right? And we may not say it, but our lives would sure tell us that. And so we're just going to talk today about Christianity being following Jesus. And we're going to see that in three ways. We're going to see it in living under Jesus, living for Jesus, and living with Jesus. So I know I talked about um, uh, us being at the end of Jesus' life, but I just want to give you a quick overview of what has happened. So Jesus is born. Jesus lives this perfect life. He, he brings disciples, and then he dies on a cross, is resurrected three days later. After his resurrection, he spends 40 days just walking around the earth and hanging out with his friends and, and appearing to different people. And at this point in the story, these are going to be his last statements before he ascends into heaven. So he, he's, he's about to float into heaven on clouds. He knows he's going to do that. And so these are, this is his last statement, his last few sentences. So if you could plan the last few sentences of your life, what would you say? You'd probably say something super important. Like you'd probably tell someone you loved them or, or you'd give instruction of some kind. And so Jesus, this is what Jesus is thinking. It's his last statement. It's going to be important. And so as we talk about this whole message, as you hear the words of Jesus today, these are his last words. This is what he wants people to remember of him saying, okay? So point one is living under Jesus. Let's look back at, at the text. It says, and, and Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So why does he say that? Why, why does he start with his authority? Well, because he actually has it, right? Jesus, when he was born, when, when Drake talked about the birth of Jesus, he was born with authority. He had had authority before that. He was born with authority and he lived his whole life proving the authority that he actually had. So his life wasn't a process of gaining authority. His, his life was a process of displaying the authority that he has always had and that he will always have. So if you guys have never read your Bible, I encourage you to do that. Um, I studied the book of Matthew for this text and Basically, Jesus' life is a story of, of mic drop moments. So he'll like appear in a situation and he'll do something incredibly baller. And then he'll just be like, yeah, that's who I am. And like, just keep moving on. Like he doesn't know anything different, which he doesn't. But I just want to outline some of those mic drop moments because this is just Jesus time after time after time displaying the authority that he has. So his birth, born of a virgin. We talked about that last week. So if, I'm, if I know someone born of a virgin, I'm thinking one of two things. Mom's special, baby's special. Gotta be, right? Gotta be. <laughs> one of them, one of them is, is incredibly special. Okay, at, at the age of 12, think about who you were at the age of 12. At the age of 12, he was in the temple interpreting scripture, which isn't like a, 
It's not like a, oh, like his mom probably told him what to say and, and, and Jesus just repeated it. He's, he's around some of the smartest people of the time and he's not just sitting around the table. He's not just at the conversation. He's participating. He, he's challenging the conversation, okay? Then he grows up and he blows up religious teachings that have been believed for years and years and years. All right, so at this point, here's what we know about Jesus. He's brilliant, right? Like Jesus is a genius. This is what we know. He was born of a virgin that he's a, ge- that he's a genius. Okay, now things start to get a little weird. Storms listen to him. Storm, stop. It stops, okay? He walks on water. You take the boat. You know what? I'll take my feet. I'll, I'll walk across the lake. Don't worry about it. He, he heals sick people. So, have you ever met a blind man, just touched him, he could see? That, that's the life that Jesus lives time after time after time. A man that's never walked, Jesus just reaches down and touches him. He gets up and walks. He doesn't even walk, he jumps. He runs. He, like, Jesus does amazing things. There's this one story in the book of Matthew. A man comes to him and he says, my servant is sick at home. And Jesus says, he is well. And, and Matthew says, in that moment, he was healed, right? So it's not even touching them. It's just speaking, and it is. So do you believe Jesus has authority yet? We'll keep, we're going to keep going. He feeds 5,000 people, right? So Jesus doing Jesus things. He looks back. All of a sudden, 5,000 people are following him. They're hungry. He has five loaves and two fish. Everyone eats. Everyone eats well, too. Everyone eats until they are full. You don't believe it then. Next chapter in Matthew, he does the exact same thing again. Feeds 4,000 people. Okay, he brings one of his friends back to life. One of his friends dies, he brings him back to life. So at this point, after all of this, we can tell that Jesus has authority over, over physical things, right? Over sickness, over food, over the storms. He has, he has authority over physical things, but Jesus also has authority over spiritual things. Jesus casts out demons. Again, just by speaking, demons flee. He, he forgives sins. I love, I love reading Matthew because often when he heals people, he says, you are physically well, but you are also spiritually well. I don't know that many people that can say that. I don't know anyone that can say that besides Jesus. Go, you are spiritually well. And here is, is the ultimate display of Jesus' authority. The ultimate display of Jesus' authority, both the physical and the spiritual, was Jesus Christ going to the cross. And guys, he wasn't, a lot of people say like, oh, Jesus was caught and then killed. Like, yes, that's what happened. But if Jesus didn't, like, Jesus could have walked off the cross. He could have. It was in his power to just walk off the cross, to never be captured in the first place, to never be tried. It was in his power to do that. So why does he do that? Why does he get put on a cross and then stay there and then stay on the cross that was gonna kill him? And not only experience a physical death, but experience a spiritual death where he's separated from his father, where he's taking the consequences for the sins of man, uh, for your sins and for my sins. Why is Jesus doing that? 
He's displaying his power. He's, he's saving us, right? So, so he dies and he's dead for three days and he's separated from his father. And then he walks out of the grave three days later. He, he not only can resurrect other people, he can resurrect himself. He, he not only can heal the sins of one person, he can take the sins of all of us and still not be defeated. Guys, Jesus has authority. And all of this, some of you might be saying, okay, yeah, that maybe, maybe you believe that to be true. But Jesus Christ is a, is a history fact. Almost all historians ever would say that there was a man named Jesus who existed 2,000 years ago who was born in Bethlehem and lived in Galilee. They, w- they would say that. And they would all say that he died, right? If he didn't die, then he would still like be here. So, so he dies, right? And, and then there are all these theories of what happened after he dies. Was his body stolen? Were, was everyone just having hallucinations? There's no way that Jesus Christ actually rose from the dead. Guys, it is the best explanation for what happened 2,000 years ago. It is. And it, I wish I had more time to break that down. I don't. But here's what I'm saying. Jesus Christ lived, died, was resurrected. He did all these things. They're historical facts. Jesus Christ has authority. And it it, it doesn't actually matter if you believe it or not. He has authority, period. So here's how I thought about this. So when I thought about authority, I was like, okay, what, what reminds me of authority? I thought about Coach Patino. So Coach Patino is the coach of the Gopher basketball team. I worked for him for three years. So when you work for Coach Patino, he says, jump, you say, how high? He says, run, you say, how fast? Like, yes, coach, no, coach. That, actually, that's, that's how you talk to Coach Patino. And what else does Coach Patino do, right? Like, what else is a part of Coach Patino's job. He does press conferences, right? Like he's the one calling timeouts. He's the one drawing up the last play. He's the one deciding who plays and who doesn't play. He has authority. And those things are not things that he does in order to gain authority. He's not, he's not trying to like become the head coach of the Gopher basketball team, right? Like he is the head coach of the Gopher basketball team. He does those things out of a place of authority, And what our players say about him doesn't change the fact that he's their coach. They can love him. They can hate him. He's the coach and he makes the decisions. That is the same way with Jesus. Jesus lived his whole life displaying the authority that he had, not trying to gain the authority that he was going to have someday. And it doesn't really matter if you believe in that authority or not. It is true. And so my question for you is, what area of your life have you not yet surrendered to Jesus' authority? What area of your life have you yet to surrender to the authority of Jesus? How do you view the authority of Jesus? Guys, here's what I can tell you. Jesus is the best authority. He's the best authority. He has a perfect character and he loves you. If you view Jesus as a good authority in your life, that will radically change the way that you live. It will radically change your life. So point two, 
is, is living for Jesus. So here's what we're coming to see. The world actually doesn't revolve around you, right? Like that, that's pretty clear from point one. The world doesn't revolve around you. And even though a lot of people live like it revolves around them, I don't actually think a lot of people believe it. I think there's like, yeah, there's probably something out there that the world revolves around, but I'm just gonna settle and live for myself. Because I can't, I can't think of anything better I don't believe in anything better. I don't actually think I'm the center of the universe, but, but I'm just gonna live like I am. I'm gonna live for myself. Jesus has and will always have authority. And he has proved it time and time again. And so my question is, what if you were actually designed to live for that authority? What if you were designed to live for the authority of Jesus. Let's look back at the text, verse 18. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So because Jesus has authority, people go. They, they go because they've, they've first learned to follow, right? The, the word disciple, when he says make disciples, he's saying make followers. That, that's what disciple means. It means someone who follows or to follow. So you can either live for yourself and probably not be very successful at it, or you can live for the ultimate authority of Jesus, you can live for the one who has ultimate authority. Like some of you are short-selling your life. You're, you're like living a worse life by trying to live for yourself and, and the world is gonna tell you it's a better life and it's not. It's not a better life. If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to live the good life, if you want life where you're submitting to the true authority, you're living for the true authority, then start obeying Jesus. And, and by obeying, it gives God the glory and it brings us joy. It's actually the good life. It's, it's acknowledging that when Jesus says he's king, he actually is king and he's worth living for. He's a king that's worth living for. What if, what if living for obedience was for our good? How would that change the way that you viewed Jesus' teachings? How, how would it change the way you view his teachings? Like teachings on purity. Man, not having sex before I'm married. Like pursuing purity. Maybe that's the good life. Maybe it's the best possible life for me. Teachings on pride. Maybe actually not thinking that highly of myself and not trying to work, 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 work so I can be better than everyone else. Maybe that's the good life. Maybe it's the better life or, or in this season. It's so easy to, to greed, right? To have greed. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. Instead of I want to give, I want to give, I want to give. What if generosity is the good life? How would that change the way you view Jesus' teachings? How would that change who you live for? Okay, here, here's one specific way that Jesus outlines obedience in this text. 
Verse 19 again, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus talks about discipleship. He talks about obedience. And then there's one thing in there that he talks about specifically, and that's baptism. So we're talking a lot about baptism. Week after week, we're announcing it. People cheer for it. Some of you are probably like, I don't get this. Other of you are like, I don't know why it's a big deal. Like there's, I, there's probably a whole mix of thoughts in the room. So here's, I just want to tell you guys what it is and why Jesus specifies it. Because it's a symbol, it's an outward symbol of an inward reality that Jesus actually is who he says he is. That he actually has authority, that he actually went to a cross, and then he took your sins to that cross. You're acknowledging that living for Jesus is the good life. That at one time you lived for yourself, but you no longer want to do that. You want to start living for Jesus because it's the better life. So when, when we get baptized, when, when you go under the water, you're saying, I am dying to my old self. I'm dying to that old way of living. I'm dying to the, the me that used to live for myself. And when you come out of the water, you're coming alive. You're coming alive and saying, I now want to live for Jesus. It, I want to clarify, it is not what saves you. Baptism does not save you. It's just a symbol of something that has already happened in your life. And, and I know a lot of you, I've talked to some of you, like me, were baptized as a baby. I was baptized as a baby. And here's the thing, is the way that Jesus teaches baptism, you're not intended, you're intended to be baptized once you become a Christian, once you become a follower of Jesus, once you submit to his authority, once you say that you want to live for him and you were not born a Christian, I know, I know sometimes in Christian culture, we can, we can be told that like, yeah, I've been a Christian my whole life. You haven't. I haven't either. At some point, you became a Christian. Guys, quick story in the Bible that I love. It's in Acts 8. You guys don't have to turn there. Um, I don't even think it's on the screen, sorry. Um, here's, here's what happens. There's this Ethiopian. Philip comes to him, shares the gospel with him, believes. Okay, so... They're like walking on this road. Philip shares the gospel with him. He believes. This is what the Ethiopian says. If you want to look it up later, it's Acts 8, verse 36. See, here's water. What prevents me from getting baptized? I think a lot of times in Christian culture, we, we have to make sure that baptism is, is per, like we have it all together before we get baptized. This man just became a Christian. He's like, oh yeah, I submit to the authority of Jesus. I want to live for Jesus. I realize that Jesus took my sins to the cross. He's paid the ultimate price so that I can live. I was far from him and now he has brought me near. The point isn't to have it all together. The point is that you've realized that, now proclaim it. Like if you actually believe that news about Jesus, it should be a joy to proclaim it. And it's actually obedient. It's actually doing as Jesus has told us to do. And it should bring us joy. It does bring us joy. So I, I want to tell you guys my baptism story. I think it's a, it's a pretty good picture of not only baptism, but also obedience. So I kind of, long story short, became a Christian in college. Thought I was a Christian growing up. I will tell that story hopefully another time. Um, but became a Christian in college. And started to live for Jesus. Started uh, to do a bunch of stuff, like do my life changed, not do a bunch of stuff. My life changed 
in a pretty dramatic way. My, my personality changed, who I was changed. You can ask Hannah, she's like, yes. She kind of knew me before I was a Christian. Anyways, um, here's the thing. Jordan came up to me. He's the salt director at the U and he's like, Colin, you should get baptized. You became a Christian. Like that is sweet. You should display what has happened in your life. Proclaim outwardly what is inwardly a reality. And I was like, no, I don't want to. Like everyone thinks I've been a Christian my whole life. I don't want to. It's, it's not right. I, I, was, I was saying a lot of the stuff that I, that I hear people say a lot, right? Like I don't want to get on stage. I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. So I don't or so I thought. I went to BWP and um, I'm sitting in the, the pews and I'm actually super excited. Like my friends are getting baptized and I'm like, this is sweet. And I'm pumped. And in like a moment, it, it flipped and I felt sick to my stomach. Like other than maybe right before I became a Christian, have I ever felt conviction so strongly in my life? like sick to my stomach, physically sick, thought I could go to the bathroom and like puke. I, w- I was like sick, sick, okay? And here's what I heard. Colin, you are not being obedient. You are not being obedient. So I had a choice in that moment. I could continue to live for myself, really, right? Because that, that was actually the reality of what was happening deep down in is, is overarching, I decided to live for Jesus, but in terms of baptism, I still wanted to live for myself. I still wanted to do what I wanted to do. And that, that flipped, that flipped that day. I, I got up and I was like, Jordan, I want to get baptized. Sweet. He like handed me a mic and 20 seconds later, I was on the stage. And so I was like, okay, I've not prepared anything I want to say. So what did I say? I was like, this is my story. I have had pride my whole life. I have wanted to live for myself my whole life. I have pretended to live for Jesus, but I have wanted to live for myself my whole life. And now I know that living for Jesus is the better life. I am on this stage because I've realized that living for Jesus is the better life. And guys, I was baptized and I have never felt so much joy in my life. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to like amp something like, oh yeah, like I'm not exaggerating. Other than, other than when I first became a Christian, maybe the day that like is the be- greatest joy of my life. Why? Because it was such a clear representation to me that I was actually living for the right thing. I was living for something greater than myself, but not just something greater for my, than myself, the ultimate authority, the only thing in this world worth living for, and that is Jesus Christ. So what, what is that? trying to illustrate. It, it's actually not trying to illustrate baptism. It's trying to illustrate that there is joy in obedience. There is so much joy in being obedient. So what does obedience look like for you? And, and it might be baptism. Maybe it's going to the back and telling Drake, you want to get baptized on Sunday. I don't want to wait another day. I want to get baptized. I don't want to wait another day. I want to be obedient to Jesus. Maybe it's a hard conversation. Maybe it's having that hard conversation that you have not wanted to have and being obedient is having a hard conversation. Or maybe a different question needs to be asked. What are ways you are refusing to be obedient? I know what Jesus has called me to, but I will not live that way. Guys, what if there's joy on the other side? Maybe it's simple. Maybe it's showing up to connection group. Maybe it's saying, I'm whoa, I'm going to show up to connection group. 
Maybe it's quitting something, saying no to something in order to show up to connection group. Maybe that's what being obedient is for you. But guys, there's joy in being obedient. If you want to experience joy, it feels hard right now. There are probably a lot of you in this room that are like, I don't want to do that. You, you don't want to do that, but it will bring you joy. It, you want to do that. In the end, you, you will want to do that. It will bring you joy. And guys, here's the good news. You don't have to do it on your own. Point three is that we get to live with Jesus. So let's look at the last sentence of the last statement Jesus has here on earth. The very last thing he says, what does he choose to say? The second half of verse 20. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus is about to ascend to heaven. He's leaving, but what does he say? He says, I am with you always. So it seems contradictory. And to me, I was like, I was asking myself, what does it actually mean that Jesus is with us? Because like he's not physically in this room, right? Like you can't put your arm around Jesus in this room and take a picture with him. What is, so it can't actually, like in my head, I'm like, it can't actually mean that he's here. It can't mean that. And guys, the, the, the only other time in the book of Matthew that this same wording is used, it's in Matthew chapter one, verse 23, he says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. It is like Jesus is here in the flesh. King Jesus is in this room. King Jesus is alive. You can spend time with King Jesus. You can talk to King Jesus. King Jesus not only knows you, but he wants to be known by you. That's huge, right? Like he's not just like, I wasn't planning on saying this, but too late now. He's, he's like not just like the um, like CIA, like spying on you where they know everything about you, but you know nothing about them, right? That, not make a political statement, but um, he's like, that's not who Jesus is. Jesus is like, I know you, but I want to be, I want you to know me too. I want this to be a relationship. I want to do life with you. Like, yes, I want you to live for me, but I want to do life with you. So here, this, is, this helped me think about it. So my, my freshman year roommate, his name's Cole, and um, freshman in college, and I was just kind of like, yeah, just kind of a bum my freshman year of college and never wanted to do anything. So it's like, I'd come home from work or class and I'd, he'd be like, hey, like, you want to go do something tonight? You want to go out to eat? You want to... Um, you know, like we can go to your house, we can get a home cooked meal, we can go to my house, I live in South Dakota, like we can like have fun, shoot trap. It sounds, it sounds kind of lame. I went to his house though, it's super fun. Um, but I, I said no, like every time I said no. And I'd always come up with a super lame excuse, like no, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that. So I wasn't actually a, like a bad roommate to Cole in, 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 the, in the roommate sense, right? Like I kept the room pretty clean. Like I was never mean to him. I never like did something that we decided as roommates like we weren't gonna do. It wasn't like I was a terrible roommate, but we actually didn't have that close of a friendship. Like because we didn't do life together, we weren't actually that good of friends. Here's what I'm saying. Some of you can like live the Christian life, but you're not actually doing life with Jesus. 
Here's the sweet thing. Cole is one of my best friends to this day. Like, Cole, yeah, I have no other way to describe it. He's one of my best friends to this day. If, if yeah, I don't, know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to describe it better, but he is. Um, so what's the application? The application is start spending time with Jesus. Like, spend time with Jesus. Open up his word. Actually do that John study. And don't just do it to check the box. Don't just do it so you can come back after J-term and be like, hey, and I guess what? I did the whole John study. Aren't you proud of me? Or, or Drake, I did the whole John study. I read my Bible. Aren't you proud of me? Like, don't do it for that. Do it because by opening God's word, we actually get to spend time with Jesus. We get to spend time with the one who has authority. We get to spend time with the one who loves you and died for you. You get to build a relationship with King Jesus. And here's what will happen. And I know it'll happen to you because it's happened to me and God's faithful. When you are stressed, Jesus will bring you comfort. When you feel like you are alone, Jesus will make you feel secure in his presence. When you have anxiety, Jesus will bring you peace. When you feel like things will never get better, Jesus will bring you hope. And when you feel like you are too far gone, There's no way I can live the life that you have just described, Colin. I am too far gone. Jesus will save you. He's done it for me and he'll do it for you too because he has all authority and he wants to be with you. So as you go into the Christmas season, as you go, Know that God came 2,000 years ago to save you. And now, because of his completed work on the cross, he wants to live with you. Don't celebrate a far-off king this season. Celebrate Jesus who is with you this season. Let's pray. Father, what a sweet truth that is that you are the ultimate authority and that with that authority, you decided to save us. You decided to come from heaven to this earth in order to save us. And you didn't just save us from our sins. You did that, Lord, but you have saved us into relationship with you. And we don't have to wait to experience that relationship. We can experience that relationship here. We can experience that relationship Today, Lord, would you give us faith and strength to be obedient? Would you draw near to us, Jesus? We love you. We want to live this life for you. We want to live this life with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.